0: Hi, Travelers. Kevin here. And believe it or not, we are cruising towards the end of the Juno and Second Citadel series, which is wild. That's a lot to wrap my head around. Hopefully it's not news to you that this is the final season of Juno and Second Citadel, but uh, if it is welcome, we only have a few stories left. So uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to sort of give you a broad outline of what the release schedule for those stories will be. If you are subscribed to our online newsletter which is on patreon this is all going to be repeat information um if you're not subscribed to our online newsletter why not it's free just head on over to patreon.com slash the penumbra podcast you can join you can follow us for free and uh, every other week or so you'll get access to a traveler's log a newsletter where we update you on news and harley and i write a little thing about our creative process uh each time And we give you recommendations for things we've been watching, reading, playing. You get some recommendations from the cast and crew. It's it's a great time. And especially where the, these shows are coming to a close fairly soon. If you want updates on what we're planning next, what we're going to do next, because we are not disappearing off the face of the planet. At least it's not on my schedule. I'm not planning on disappearing off the face of the planet. The best way to do that is to follow us over there uh, because we will keep you updated every step of the way. So if you are, Morning, like I am, the endings of these shows, and you are looking forward to the next thing, make sure you go on over to patreon.com slash the Podcast, join us for free. That's enough uh hemming and or hawing though. Let's jump into it. Let's talk about the release schedule for the rest of the season. So these are broad dates. Over the course of April to May, you can expect the next second Citadel story, The Fall, parts one and two. From May to June, you can expect another Juno story. Uh, I'm not going to give you the title yet. You're going to have to be patient. Then from June to July will be the second Citadel finale. And the end of July slash early August will be the Juno Steel finale. That is how close we are. We are cruising towards end of july early august uh this eight year uh set of stories uh, is coming to an end which is wild it's hard for me to wrap my head around because we are so close to the end i do have to ask if you have ever thought about supporting the penumbra on patreon if you've ever thought about supporting us financially if you have a friend or a family member or anybody else who has thought about supporting us financially um now's the time it is, it is not easy for me to ask for money. It's tough. But I do have to say our, our support has flagged a little bit over the course of the season on Patreon. And we are sort of right on the knife's edge of being able to continue to do this and being able to do the next things that we want to do, the next big secret projects that we want to do. We get exit surveys from Patreon that say why people have stopped pledging. And for the vast majority of everybody, it has been financial situations changing. It's a tough time to be a person right now. So really don't stretch yourself past a point that is safe for you to pledge or up your pledge. I I would feel just awful if anybody did that. But if you have any spare income that you're willing to send our way, if our stories have meant something to you, if you want to show us that they've meant something to you, if you want to see the next thing that we make, now's the time. And you get access to, at this point, a frankly insane amount of bonus content. At the $7 level, you get access to all the production scripts, which are always full of bonus stuff, um, behind the scenes stuff. And at the $10 level, you get access to uh, like hundreds of hours of commentaries at this point that range from actually serious, this is how we make the show type stuff, and extremely silly, uh, breathing with the boys, Lord Arm fan cast uh, type stuff. So. It would just mean the world to us if you could support us and help us out. It is no exaggeration to say that the only thing that I want to do with my life is make stories, make stuff for you all to see. And that's only gonna be possible if our support keeps up and I and I know it's gonna it's gonna fall a little bit after the end of Juno and Second Citadel. So anything that you can do to show that you are gonna stick with us, that you're gonna help us out, will make our next project more likely stronger, better, uh, harder, better, faster, stronger, etc. And thank you so much. If you're already pledging, thank you so much just for listening. Uh, it's crazy that we've gotten to do this as long as we have. And I'm so, so grateful for it. That's enough of that though. Uh, you all have a story to get to, so I will, uh, see you later. Uh, and I'll see you in not too long for the finales to these stories. Ah, good evening traveler and welcome to the penumbra. Tonight's tale is Juno Steel and the Sixteen Tons.
1: So, we've been staked out for a while now. Tell me what you know about this place.
2: Mr. Steel, I've had a few hours to do my research and- You say that's not enough?
1: I thought I was talking to Rita here.
2: No, no, it's enough time, but that's just the thing. Even though it's enough time, I can't find anything about what it's like inside that building. Not a single picture, not a video feed, nothing. Keep talking? It's just, do you know how rare that is? Everyone's got a comms in their pocket or on their face all day, every day. And most of them can even take video. Heck, back on the carte blanche, Mr. Nureyev showed me how you can reverse-engineer a floor plan for a building just by looking through the social accounts of all the people who work or live there.
1: But that's not possible for this place.
2: Mr. Steele, I couldn't tell you what color the wallpaper is in there. They're in a single picture. Anywhere on the net.
1: It doesn't look any different from the buildings that surround it.
2: It might not be any different, that's my point. My point is, I couldn't tell you either way. That place is like a big box of mysteries right in the middle of the street.
1: Then, there's no way to prepare for whatever's inside.
2: No way I can think of anyway.
1: And Ruby, you're sure the tracker you printed is coming from that building? (laughs) Well, I guess that settles it. Steele? If we can't prepare, the next best thing we can do is prep for the fact that we can't prepare. Sitting in the Ruby outside like this is only going to draw attention to us. Surprise is the only advantage we've got. We can't afford to blow it. So we'll find a pop-up net cafe somewhere anonymous, get you set up in there, and, and decide on a plan of action.
2: A net cafe? Is that a good idea? I can just wait in the Ruby Seven, can't
1: I? It's not going to be possible this time. We'll find a net cafe nearby, prepare, and then guess then I head to the unknown. Hang on just a little longer, Nereev. I'm coming for you. The Ruby 7's tracker had brought us a long, long way from home. That was for sure. We were in the Outer Rim, on a Mars-sized planet called Ammon, where the cities grew densest, jungles, and the streets were paved with... Well, whatever the hell it was, it wasn't concrete... The description Nereev had given the Outer Rim in his journal was pretty accurate, is what I'm saying. Nothing on Ammon was made of material I recognized. The streets were soft, porous. My feet left imprints in them as I walked. The insides of the net cafe we eventually found were painted to look like wood, but you could tell from the smell, damp and musty as soaked fur, that something was off. The food that wasn't actively moving looked like lumps of molded protein paste. Not that sound Rita.
2: These are terrible. You want some? Ugh
1: no. No thanks.
2: Yeah. No. That's probably the right choice.
1: For someone who'd grown up so close to the solar planets, it was all so alien. So strange. So uncomfortable. The homesickness Nureyev described made a lot more sense to me. My name is Juno Steele, I'm a private eye, and I'll follow a lead no matter where it takes me, even to the edge of the galaxy. We couldn't know how long Nureyev would stay on Ammon, so we couldn't take our time preparing. Rita and I needed to come up with a cover story that would get me into the office building the Ruby 7's tracker was inside, and we needed to do it quickly. I asked Rita to gather what information she could.
2: Well, the company that runs it ain't called the DeConno Group, at least not officially. It says here that building is owned and operated by c and Pharmaceuticals, and I don't think their usual business is, you know, bringing people back from the dead.
1: Not officially, anyway.
2: Officially, it looks like they make most of their money on cold remedies and recreational drugs. But they ain't exactly a big name in that space, and if you ask me, it's a mystery how they make anything at all, because I can't even tell for sure if anybody works there.
1: What does that mean?
2: Well... I had an idea that even if we can't find any pictures or video of the inside of the building, we might be able to gather some information on it if we could just talk to someone who works there. So I hacked into the street cop's camera system on Ammon to check the street view of CNP's front entrance to see if I could figure out anybody's schedule. But that's just the thing, Mr. Steele.
1: What's just the thing?
2: I can't figure out when anybody clocks out at CNP because I ain't never seen anybody walk out the front door. hallers sometimes deliver shipments to the freight entrance out back, but I scanned through a full week of recordings and I couldn't find a single time someone came out of there.
1: But you're sure there are people in
2: there? Super sure. See, I had the same question after checking out the cameras, so I busted into the local power plant's records to see what the power usage is like inside the CNP building. And? It's high, Mr. Steele. The main building's power usage is pretty high for a business of that size, but that's nothing compared to how much power they're using up in the basement. All day, all night, no stop. It's more like the level of power a hospital uses than a regular office.
1: A hospital, huh? All right, I think I got it. You do? Rita, if I asked you to make a convincing news site on the net, how long would it take you to do that?
2: Uh, depends on how good you want it to look. There's convincing at a glance, and then there's, well, basically real.
1: What if you only had a day?
2: (sighs) Let me just say this, Mr. Steele. You better cross your fingers they don't look at that site too close.
1: I just about had an array of cornered. But for some reason, the closer I got to him, the more anxious I felt. At the time, I chalked that up to nerves and tried not to think about it too much. I'd regret not thinking about it later, so I gave Rita the day to set up my cover story, then made my way on foot to CMP's central office. I hated the way I'm in sidewalks squished under my feet, but I had a good reason for not riding in the Ruby 7, and it all had to do with the element of surprise or as much surprise as I could manage anyway.
2: Mr. Seal, you sure you feel ready to go in there? We still really don't know anything about this place If I had another day I... we don't have
1: another day, Rita. Oh, we don't even know if we're already too late. The only thing we know is that the Ruby's tracker went inside that building, so... That's where I gotta go.
2: Okay, Mr. Steele, if you say so.
1: My cover story's all set up on the net?
2: Sure is. I couldn't do the whole thing on my own, so I had to ask Mr. Mercury to help me out. Wait,
1: you asked Mick to help?
2: Sure I did. He's a writer, ain't
1: he? He is. That's what I'm worried about. I've had him write a cover story for me before.
2: Oh, don't worry, Mr. Steele. I didn't let him write that part. I came up with a name for you instead. And I made sure to come up with something real romantic.
1: Romantic? What the hell is it? It's
2: a surprise! Rita,
1: I need to know my own cover story.
2: Just don't look it up until... Wait, Mr. Seal, that sounds better not, but you check it.
1: Rita, what the hell is this name? It's longer than most sentences.
2: Oh, I just had so many good ideas for a name, Mr. Seal. I couldn't pick this one, so I just picked them all. Ain't it fancy?
1: Fancy's right. It's a little too fancy. I think I got a way around it, though. And a name I'll use instead. Don't worry about it. But uh, is this thing all set up? Am I ready to go in?
2: You remember the plan? Of
1: course I remember the plan. It was my goddamn plan.
2: All right, Mr. Steele. Then I'll be here waiting for your calls. Just be careful in there, okay?
1: I will. Talk to you soon. I've been invited here to write an article on CNP Pharma for a series on the best places to work.
3: I see. So you must be Fitzwillis Montague, love That's all a pen
1: name. Rose works fine, ma'am. Just call me Mr. Rose.
3: All right then, Mr. Rose. Come in through security and I'll see you soon.
1: All right, Steele. You're almost there. Don't lose your nerve now. There could be anything on the other side of that door. I'd gone into a lot of hideouts and headquarters and lairs in my time as a PI, but I'd almost never gone in with no prep whatsoever. For some reason, people entered the offices of c and Pharmaceuticals, but they didn't leave. And pretty soon I'd find out why. I just hope they let me back out once I did.
3: Please place your comms in the secure receptacle to your right, then slide it closed. It will be returned to you when you leave.
1: All right.
3: Please continue through the double doors.
1: I stepped through the doors, and at first I didn't see anyone. Just a long, clean hallway. Then, on the ground by my feet, I saw the shadow creeping up behind me. Before I could do anything about it, I felt hands come up to my neck from behind, and something was on my head. And I felt the sharp sting of elastic on my chin, and I whipped around to see...
3: There! Now you look festive enough to fit in.
1: To see a woman half my age with paper party hats on elastic rubber bands held in one hand. It took a minute for my heart to stop tripping the light fantastic. The woman was more than happy to fill that silence for me.
3: It's so good to meet you, Mr. Rose. My name's Linda Fazer, and I'm the outreach manager here at CNP Pharmaceuticals. I'm also the office manager, part of the custodial staff, a sort of fixer, and, well, we all wear a lot of hats here at CNP. And I don't just mean the party hats. Noisemaker?
1: I'm good, thanks. I. Ah!
3: There. Now you sound festive enough, too.
1: Uh. <clears throat> Uh, thanks. What are we celebrating here
3: exactly? Don't tell me you don't know what day it is. Uh, Monday? Exactly! The best day of the week! Come on, let me show you around.
4: Yeah.
1: Ms. Phaser hooked an arm around mine and dragged me down the hall. Everyone we passed was wearing one of those colorful cones on their heads, and I saw more than one cake laid out on the tables we passed. The walls seemed strange, too. They were broken up into big panels with decorations on each. Posters saying things like, Work like there's no tomorrow, and Be better. When we entered the workroom, it was massive. It looked like the walls had been knocked down for nearly this entire floor, replaced with line after line of tables with computers on them, and bleary-eyed people sitting in front of them, typing like fast fingers were the only things that would keep them alive. Not one of them looked up when we entered.
3: I've been reading all your articles since you contacted us this morning. The best places to work in the outer rim. What a vibe.
1: I hope you aren't putting on this big celebration just for me, Miss
2: Faye. Don't
3: be silly! We do Monday Mania every Monday because it's the start of another great week here at CNP. Here, let me introduce you to the marketing squad. Everyone! Everyone, can I have your attention, please? Everyone, this is Mr. Rose, here to write us up for best places to work. Let's give him a hand.
1: Uh, thanks.
3: Mr. Rose, would you like to say a few words?
1: Sure. This, um, sure seems like one of the best places to work.
3: You know what that sound means, people. What?
1: Are they all doing?
3: Here at CNP we think restricted workplaces are a total productivity fail. No cubicles and no assigned desks. So every hour on the hour, we all stand up and pick a different desk to work at. Some people even pick up the work of the person who just left that desk. Work should be liberating. It should keep us all fresh and ready for new challenges. Now try and keep up, Mr. Rose, because we still have a lot to see.
1: Miss Fazer. Hey, slow down! I tried to refocus myself on what I had to do in that office, but Miss Fazer was dragging me from point to point so fast that my brain didn't have time to keep up. Somewhere in this building were the headquarters of the Dokana group. Probably in the basement, if Rita's research the power usage of this building was right. I had to get to the basement. Actually, Miss Fazer, we sort of have a specific system to writing these articles on best places to work. Oh, really? Yeah, it's more like a surprise inspection. I come in, I ask to see a few specific spots, and after that I do my write-up. And actually, the first place I was supposed to check was your basement, so if you just show oh, me... Oh,
3: we don't have a basement.
1: Right, yeah, you probably call it something else. The Subterranean Productivity Chamber, then.
3: Nope. There's nothing below the ground floor. Our elevators only go up because here at CNP there's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> we need to have our elevators forcibly removed from the top floor and reinserted in the ground floor at least once a day. That shows our dedication to always moving up. But... Oh, and here's someone I'd like you to meet, Mr. Rose, a total boss. Mr. Doppel? Mr. Doppel, do you have a minute to meet our guest for the day?
1: A man further down the hall turned towards us. And that face. There was something slippery about that face. And I don't mean it was well moisturized. I mean, it seems so familiar despite the fact that I'd definitely never seen this man in my life. But trying to recall it... I couldn't tell you a single concrete thing about it. It was just slick. Like my eyes couldn't take in any part of it without sliding right off the sides. This guy didn't blend into a crowd. He was the crowd, the faceless thing that other people blended into. I could pick up on who he was from the way he spoke, just like those executives in Nereev's journal.
4: I see you come laden with festive hats, my associate. I am certain this will somehow increase workplace productivity.
3: Monday Mania is so good for morale, don't you think, Mr. Doppel?
4: Morale? Yes. A real and not at all imaginary business concept that I too have heard of.
3: Mr. Doppel, this is Mr. Rose. He's here from Best Places to Work, that news site I showed you. Mr. Rose, Mr. Doppel is the head of our team here at CNP Pharmaceuticals.
1: So you run this place, huh? I've heard so many good things about it. Things
4: you will no doubt repeat in your write
1: up. I'll make a thorough assessment, but trust me, by the time I'm done here, you'll
4: know exactly how I feel about this place. You know what they say. All publicity is good publicity, except for bad publicity, which is. Bad publicity. So long as you treat people well here, you shouldn't have anything to hide, Mr. Doppel. You won't find anything worth hiding, Mr. Rose. I guarantee it. If you'll excuse me, I must take my leave. I have management tasks to manage.
3: Oh, Mr. Doppel! You forgot to take a party hat!
4: I thank you, my associate. Mr. Rose. He seems friendly.
3: Mr. Doppel is a total genius, the guiding light of CNP Pharmaceuticals and by far the hardest rise and grinder I've ever met. We all work long hours here at CNP because we love it, of course, and because we all want to contribute to something we love so much. But Mr. Doppel is on another level entirely. He does the work of a dozen men at least. <sighs> Oh, but look at me getting lost in thought. I still have so much to show you.
1: Wait, Miss Fazer, about that basement. We
3: don't have one.
1: Yeah, I know. The thing is, my editor's really going to want me to check the basement. It's weird, sure, but they're a stickler for things like this. I know I gave my comms at the door, but do you have one I could use? I just have to contact my editor and let them know about the basement situation so we can... There
3: are no comms on the premises. Come
1: on, there's got to be somebody. No
3: comms on the premises whatsoever. No, it's not everyone's fave for sure, but we've done the research and we know that the comms is a distraction from the community of the workplace. With thoughts of home and family and friends out of the way, we can all focus on the connections that matter most—work, the thrill of building something together, of getting to know your neighbor the next desk over. Of drinks after clocking out and coffee before clocking in, both of which we offer on campus here at CNP Pharmaceuticals. Is it really
1: clocking out if they're still here?
3: Those sound like the words of somebody who hasn't seen the Zero Gravity Playroom yet.
1: Zero Gravity. W- what?
3: Right through here, Mr. Rose. The Zero Gravity Playroom, the peak of our impressive campus here at CNP Pharmaceuticals. Come on in, but you've been warned. You're going to have more fun than you know what to do with.
1: The zero-gravity playroom was massive, gymnasium-sized at least, with floating holograms drawing the boundaries for different zero-g sports. Phaser made her way over to a complicated-looking panel swarming with little buttons. It looked like this room had everything, except for one thing you might expect in a gym.
3: How come there's nobody in here? They're all working, of course.
1: Is there ever anybody in here? Oh,
3: you're missing the point. By investing so much into our employees' mental and physical health, We're showing our priorities here at CNP. Now hold on to something, Mr. Rose, because the fun is just about to start. Whoa, whoa. whoa. Pretty amazing, isn't it? It's a portable anti-gravity generator, the kind you usually only see in a zero-gravity sports dome, but the management had one installed in this building for our playroom. But what? Why? Zero-G sports are high-key goaded for reinvigorating yourself after a hard day's work. I come in here when I'm feeling like I need to get my blood flowing again. And zero gravity isn't its only setting. the? Balls? Balls! Long, Mr. Rose. Ow. Not really the sporty type, are you, Mr. Rose?
1: There's a lot of things to do around the office, Ms. Facer. Does anyone ever leave?
3: Is this about work-life balance?
1: You say that like it's a bad thing.
3: Not a bad thing at all. Work-life balance is a total movie. Productivity models have borne that out, but we found the only surefire way to ensure that balance by controlling both sides of the scales. We can't make sure that work-life and personal life are balanced if we can only touch work-life. We have to be able to influence personal life, too.
1: Can I ask you a personal question, Ms. Faisal?
3: Only if you can catch this.
1: What's the last time you went home?
3: But where even is home? You know... I eat here, I exercise here, I even visit the doctor here. CNP is my home. So why would I leave? That's why I was so excited to get your call, Mr. Rose. This is exactly the right place for the best places to work to cover. I guess you could say it's my hope in this tour to show you just how right you were. You seem like you really like it here. Oh, I would do anything for this place, Mr. Rose. Anything.
1: I was getting absolutely nowhere following the tour Ms. Faser had prepared for me. I needed to get into the basement, or to get my hands on a comms, or preferably both. If I was going to do that, I needed to lose her.
3: Come on now, Mr. Rose. You'll never make the intramural football team if you don't play.
1: Yeah, I'm not super into sports. Listen, do y'all have anywhere people can go when they need to be alone?
3: Alone? Yeah,
1: you know, somewhere you can focus without a lot of noise around you.
3: Yes. I think we have something like that.
1: Follow me. Miss Phaser kicked off the wall and sailed towards the control panel, but not without giving me one of the stinkier eyes I've ever seen. To be honest, she was giving me the creeps. All of C&P Pharmaceuticals was giving me the creeps, actually. The sooner I got an array of and got the hell out of here, the better. After shutting down the zero-gravity playroom, Phaser led me to a quieter hall of C&P. Far away from the grounds of keyboard clacking and Monday mania. I got the impression that people didn't come out here that often. Even Phaser looked a little lost.
3: I think this room fits what you're looking for. A quiet workroom, although I can't remember the last time someone's used it. It'd be so awkward and antisocial, and we at CNP believe- Would you mind
1: showing me inside? I guess. Thanks. After you. Thank you. There was a large desk next to the door. I turned it into a large desk blocking the door. Then added a few chairs for good measure. I should hold her.
3: Mr. Rose, Mr. Rose, let me out of your ASAP.
1: I had no intention of doing that. I had a basement to find and a theory about where I might find it, so I headed back to an earlier point in the hallway where Miss Faser and I had passed an elevator. A quick examination showed me that Ms. Faser had been telling the truth. The elevator only had one button on its side panel, a large arrow pointing up. There was no way down. In the elevator, anyway. I was ready for this. Without a comms, I didn't have Rita to help me out, sure, but I had one more ally waiting in the wings, and I thought this one might just do the trick. So I stepped back outside the elevator, and I whispered, Ruby, now's your big moment. I held my coat pocket open with two fingers and out poured the Ruby 7. I'd gotten the idea that it might be useful as more than a getaway car, and I was about to find out if I was right. Slick as Quicksilver, it slid from my pocket into a puddle on the floor, then pushed itself in the crack between the elevator doors. I heard it press the button inside the elevator, heard the elevator start to rise. Finally, it inserted itself between the elevator doors and pushed, making a strange web like chewed silver bubblegum as it forced the doors apart. And finally, I had what I wanted. The elevator doors were open, but there was no elevator on the other side. I peered down into the shaft. I couldn't see the bottom, but there was definitely something down there. Nice work, Ruby. I can take it from here. <laughs> I checked down the hall one more time to make sure nobody was watching, then checked the shaft again. There was a maintenance ladder in the wall. I started my descent. As I climbed down, I could hear the sounds of CNP Pharmaceuticals' Monday mania grow quieter and quieter, but I couldn't yet hear anything from the basement itself. I was almost there getting closer by the second to where Nereev had to be, and that feeling of panic rose up in my throat again when I thought about him. I tried to push it down, but it was insistent. The ruby pushed open the doors at the bottom of the elevator shaft to a stark white hall, smelling and looking like industrial bleach. But I didn't have long to scope it out before I heard footsteps approaching me from down the hall.
4: Your 11 o'clock appointment has been cleared as you requested, my associate. Thank you, my associate. I have done the same for your five o'clock, thank you. I will mark the schedule change in my comms. In his comms? Damn it, I have to hide. Ruby, close the door again.
1: (coughs) What do you mean you can't close
4: it? Then what the hell am I supposed to do? My associate, what is that aperture? I believe that is the elevator door, my associate. But I have never seen it open before. Perhaps we should investigate. Perhaps we should.
1: Damn it, Ruby,
4: do something.
0: (coughs) What the hell are you? Doing?
1: Before I could say a word in protest, I watched the liquid Ruby 7 expand, stretch, shift its colors to copy the wall of the elevator shaft. then it closed over me entirely. I heard the executive step into the shaft. They were inches away from me. I hoped the Ruby knew what it was doing.
4: Some strange malfunction in the door. Most irregular. indeed. That reminds me. That adornment on your head is most irregular, my associate. Ah, I'd completely forgotten it. Thank you for the reminder. An emblem of some celebration or other happening in the public-facing labs. What sort of celebration? I am never sure, my associate. Those people are utterly mysterious to me. And me as well. Shall we hurry to our next appointment, my associate? I think we should. It is likely that Mr. Nereyev is already waiting for us. (laughs)
1: Nice trick, Ruby. Be ready to pull it again. It doesn't look like there are many places to hide in this hallway. (laughs) I followed them down the hall, and luckily the executives were too focused on making their appointment to check behind them. A door awaited us at the end of it.
4: Mr. Nerev. We are sorry to keep you waiting, Mr. Nareev. We have already filed the reprimand for our tardiness.
1: And that's when I saw him. Through the open doorway leading into that room at the end of the hall. I thought I was ready to see him again. I thought I could handle it. Maybe I could have, if it weren't for the shape Nareev was looking at on a table in that room. The person he was looking at, the hookups for who knows how many machines twisting and snaking out of him from all sides... Slip Jackson. I thought it was odd that I didn't recognize him until I remembered that I'd never actually seen him before. I just read that damn journal so many times, imagined him so many times that he felt real in my mind. I'd imagined somebody big with a soft embrace and a tired face, but the guy lying on the table with a dense webwork of tattoos running down each arm looks so small, light, like a stiff breeze would tumbleweed him away without all those machines tying him down. I'd imagined someone larger than life, and maybe that was the truth hiding in the exaggeration. Slip was larger than life to Nereev, and I'd only ever seen him through Noreev's eyes until this moment. I didn't have time to think through what he looked like to me, though. From the angle I was looking in, all Nareev had to do in order to see me was look up from Slip's face. A closet door hung ajar beside the door to the visiting room. I snuck inside and creaked the door almost closed behind me, leaving just a crack, so I could hear them speaking.
4: What? Yes. Yes, that's quite all right, of course. I was just... The tests. Have you run the tests yet? What do they say? The prognosis does not look good, Mr. Nureyev don't understand. Is there some other technology needed to make this happen? I could still go and procure it. It's not a matter of what we still need, Mr. Nureyev. We have what we need, but this project is expensive. Very expensive. It has been a drain on the Dokana Group for many years now. We are considering moving into another area in experimental pharmaceuticals, particularly as CNP's profits have dipped following the eradication of the radiation sickness treatment sector. This can't be... You can't be saying this. I've done everything you've asked for. I've paid for everything. Gotten you everything for years and years now. And we are willing to compensate you for your pains, Mr. Nureyev. We could make you a wealthy man. If I had wanted to be a wealthy man, I could have been one a hundred times over. That is not what I want. I want what you've promised me. I want him. Very well. We can give our experimental procedure one more try. But Mr. Nureyev... If it does not achieve the results we desire... It will. I know it will. Very well, then. <speak> Associate, what is that noise? I believe it is my short range. Highly irregular.
3: <speak>
4: Doppel speaking.
3: Mr. Doppel, we need to talk about my guest for the day, Mr. Rose.
4: Mr. Rose? Understood, Miss phaser I will contact you again shortly. But Mr. Doppel... Shortly, Miss phaser doppel out. You are excused, Mr. Very well. Farewell, Mr. Nureyev. We will be in touch.
1: He was walking towards me and my heart could barely take it, skipping and skidding with his every step. I knew what I was going to do. I knew it was a bad idea, but I knew I was going to do it. As soon as Nureyev closed that door behind him, I opened the closet door wide, and I dragged him in. What in the... And then he looked at me. He went still, and in his eyes I saw... Well... Nothing good, that's for sure. And for the first time, that nervous feeling, that panicky feeling, felt clear to me. He meant this. I've been so focused on catching Narayev that I hadn't spent a single second thinking about what I was going to do after I caught him.
4: Of course.
1: It's you. I've been chasing after him for so long, and now we were so close. And all of a sudden it felt like, okay, Steel, you caught him. What the hell are you going to do with him?
0: If you've enjoyed this tale, please consider supporting The Penumbra. You can do so by buying our merchandise. Just go to thepenumbrapodcast.com and click on the Store tab. You can also make a one-time donation to The Penumbra via PayPal, at The Penumbra Podcast. Or, if you'd like to keep our stories running in the long term, we hope you will support us on Patreon. Every dollar helps. At just $4 per episode or higher, you will receive ad-free episodes two days before the public release. At the $7 level, you will gain access to behind-the-scenes content and production scripts. And at the $10 level, you will receive access to commentary tracks like this one from co-creators Harley Takagi Kaner and Kevin Vibert. The last full-time job I ever had before I got fired and then started working part-time and then doing the penumbra.
3: And it was hell!
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were at... You're most unhappy during. Those I was years. so unhappy. I would just come home crying all the time, and it was. I, I, I guess I won't say what company it was. Yeah, you probably shouldn't. Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to listen to this commentary? They will not. We would like to give thanks to all who support us on Patreon, but especially to Juno G. Eska, Bettina Trevino Aleem Muktadir, Brittany Potter, Sophia and Juno Adler, The Emerald Ate This Podcast, Haha, ha. The PI, The Train and the Nights, Mr. Me, Myself and I, Kira, Jack M. Cohen, Girl in the Midnight Sky, Thank You, Penumbra Team, for Your Amazing Work, Braylon, Hannah and Leah's Adventures in Gender Shenanigans, Ferdinand Entrelac, the Lady Guinevere wishes you a belated Merry Cinderclasp. Shelly Schrode. Kevin, please say butts on live recording, thanks. That's Jammy. Nice. Osipit. Evit Connie. Diana Cause. Benjamin Fisher. SCP Chloe. Happy New Year's Penumbra cast crew and fandom. Love DW. Theo Alex Dean. June Gishoku. Skyfire Forever. The Lady has claimed another one, Jay Hull. Striker Flynn. Liv Allen, Alice the Time Lord, In Memory of Spiral Opal, Eden the Gay Bookworm, Michael David Smith, It's a Hard Day to Be a Scaly, Kiki's Podcast Patronage Service, Caroline Seidman, Radius Ulna, Rain and Pippin from the Glen Dimension, Karen Z.H., Genetic, Minchowski, Ash, Jamie Gunter, and Angel Acevedo for their incredibly generous contributions per episode. Thank you. This tale, Juno Steel and the Sixteen Tons, was told by the following people. Joshua Elon as Juno Steel. Kate Jones as Rita. Linda Garcia as Fazer. Stuart Evans-Smith as the Executives. And Noah Simes as Peter Nureyev. The Penumbra is created and produced by Harley Takagi Kaner and Kevin Vibert. If you wish to know more about the full production team, you can read about them in the show notes of this episode. I'm afraid that is our time for today, dear traveler. We hope you will join us again soon.